0: Welcome to the Voice of the Resistance with Doc Washburn. We are the show that pushes back against the Uniparty and lets you in on the news that traditional talk radio is afraid to talk about. The Doc Washburn Show podcast is available for download at all your favorite podcast platforms. You can email us at contact at com. This is episode 179 of the all-new Doc Washburn Show. It's Wednesday, June 22nd, 2022, last night, 14 Republican United States Senators voted with the 50 Democrat Senators to violate our Second Amendment rights by voting to fund red flag laws. So how badly did the Republican Senators sell us out in the gun control bill? That's coming up. Just so you understand where I'm coming from, I was fired by one of the biggest radio companies in America, Cumulus Media, simply because I refused their vaccine mandate. More evidence comes out all the time that a lot of people are having serious negative reactions to the vaccines. Also, I will never call Joe Biden president because it's obvious the last U.S. presidential election was stolen. So this is a really different kind of talk show. We're unmasked, uncensored, and unfiltered. If you'd like to support what we do, go to our website, docwashburn.com, and click on the button that says Become a Patron. All right. Last night, 14 Republican United States senators voted with the 50 Democrat senators to violate our Second Amendment rights by voting to fund red flag laws. They voted to make it harder for 18 to 21 year olds to protect and defend themselves. They voted to send 100 million more dollars to Joe Biden's private police force, the FBI. Um we're furious. We're furious. John Cornyn, Texas, joked about it. He was joking with uh, Senator Padilla, a Democrat from California saying, gun, we, we, we dealt with gun control, immigration's next. He said it was just a joke. Why should we not believe him? I'm going to get into some of the details about what they did to us. My wife and I, a little bit ago, were watching Tucker Carlson's uh, monologue when he was talking about it on Fox News Channel, he's about the only person on Fox News we can stand to watch anymore, about the only one who isn't compromised. More more on that in a minute. And we're just distraught, perplexed, and furious at what they've done. And I told her, I guess it's, um, well, I didn't mention this to her yet. I will after the podcast. But I guess it's time for I told you so chapter two. What a Republican running for governor should say at this point is, if my state legislature passes a red flag law bill, I will veto it. See, because what the federal bill does it gives federal funds to states that want to pass their own red flag laws. In other words, somebody can call the cops because she doesn't like you, you're a conservative, get a judge to sign off, and the cops come and get your guns, and then good luck on due process. Good luck trying to get them back. You can have a lawyer, but you'll have to pay for it. You'll have to pay for your own lawyer to try to get your guns back. That's what they signed off on. Now, if you think for one minute that Sarah Huckabee Sanders, because obviously she's going to be governor, you think for one minute she would veto a red flag law bill? You're crazy. I tried to warn you. I tried to warn you. So this is, I told you so, chapter two. Not a word from her on this. Not a word. Not a word from Senator John Bozeman either. But, Senator Tom Cotton goes on Twitter and says, last night, he says, stopping gun violence starts with more funding for police And tougher sentences for the criminals who violate gun laws, not taking away due process from law abiding gun owners, which is what the bill does. So if you don't have any context, you're like, well, yeah, good, good going, Tom Cotton. Appreciate that. Yes, don't take away, don't take away due process from law abiding gun owners. You go, Tom Cotton. But that's not what I said. I said, I'll believe you mean it when you call for McConnell and Cornyn to lose their jobs. Until then, it's just talk, Tom. See, Mitch McConnell is kind of like Tom Cotton's boss, you know? He's minority leader of the United States Senate, and John Cornyn is number two. Who wants to someday have Mitch McConnell's job. See, because Mitch McConnell is not up for re-election until 2026, and he's going to be pretty old by then. Gonna be pretty long in the tooth by then. Mitch McConnell He's uh, he's 80 years old. He'll be 84 should he choose to run for re-election. I mean it's possible Strom Thurmond didn't he stay in the uh, the Senate till he was a hundred? I believe so. Yeah, he did. So you know anything's possible. But Tom Cotton is just going to give this lip service. He's not going to call for Mitch McConnell and John Cornyn to lose their jobs for selling us down the river, for violating their oaths for violating our Second Amendment rights, United States Constitution. He's not going to do it. Neither is Sarah Huckabee Sanders, next governor of the state of Arkansas, the state I happen to be doing this show in. neither is Senator John Bozeman, the other U.S. senator from Arkansas nobody's ever heard of, but is running for re-election. And neither is the other U.S. senator from Texas, guy I used to really like, Ted Cruz. They're not going to do it. It's all lip service. And so many people are flabbergasted. They're flustered. They're like, why why, why why, don't they listen to their voters? Well, the same Ted Cruz explained it when he was running for president back in 2015. He gave an hour-long speech on the floor of the United States Senate. And he talked about doing town hall meetings all over. The United States and people were perplexed at how the Republican leadership in Congress kept on selling them out. And they said, what is their problem? Are they stupid? Are they cowards? Are they weaklings? And Ted Cruz said, oh, no, 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 no. they're not stupid. They're very intelligent. And they're not cowards when it comes to fighting for something they believe in. They're not weak on something like that. He said, but here's the problem. If you were to take two whiteboards and and one, one white board draw up a list of the 20 most important issues to Republican voters and the other whiteboard draw up the list of 20 most important issues to most of the lobbyists, he said the, uh, the overlap would be about 10%. He said lobbyists don't care about abortion. They don't care about the sanctity of marriage. They don't care about endless foreign wars. They don't care about supporting Israel. Just go right down the list. But Republican leadership and most Republicans in Congress will fight hard for stuff the lobbyists do uh, uh, care about. So if it's time to uh, refinance the uh, import-export bank, uh, they'll go to the mat on that. No holds barred. They'll fight with everything they've got for something like that. So try to remember that next time you're going, well, what are they thinking? How? Why would they sell us down the river again and again and again and again? That's why. That's why. So... A fellow podcaster, a guy that I really respect and admire, here on uh, in the in the podcast world, I follow him over on Twitter. He's got a much bigger audience than me. Uh, probably doesn't even know who I am, but he's got a list of the fourteen U.S. senators that voted for this unconstitutional monstrosity last night. And he says every single one must be primaried and beaten. And this guy's got over 700,000 followers on Twitter. I've just got 18,000. But there's a problem with saying every single one of them must be primaried and beaten. Let's just go right down the list, Okay. Senator Roy Blunt of Missouri is up for re-election this year, but he's retiring. Senator Richard Burr of North Carolina, one of seven U.S. senators who voted to impeach President Trump, he's up for re-election this year, but he's retiring. Senator Rob Portman of Ohio, who voted for the Gun control, red flag bill. He's retiring. See where I'm going with this? Senator Susan Collins of Maine, who also voted to impeach Trump, she's not up for election until 2026. John Cornyn, Texas, not up for election until 2026. Joni Ernst, Iowa, not up for election until 2026. Lindsey Graham, South Carolina who goes on Sean Hannity Show all the time, say, Sean, now wait and see. We're going to get to the bottom of it, Sean. Sean, I will not vote for gun control, Sean. And, of course, Hannity's not going to hold him accountable. They're buddies. Hannity hasn't said a word about this. Lindsey Graham's not a free election until 2026. You know, i got to tell you something about uh, Lindsey. In 2014, Lindsey Graham had seven... Opponents in the South Carolina Republican primary, I remember because um, I was uh, doing some radio work in Charlotte, North Carolina, and a lot of the coverage area for the radio station was in South Carolina. And so um, he only got 56% of the vote. As, a, as an incumbent Republican senator in his own primary in South Carolina. And I interviewed uh, the top guy who was competing with him. I think it was uh, the day of the primary or the day before, something like that. And uh, after the interview, I had a caller who said, I had no idea there was a primary today. Thank you. I'm going to go vote for this guy. People don't know. People don't know. Plenty of people don't know what a primary is. They just think you vote in November, and they have no idea how you get on the ballot. Anyway, Mitch McConnell. Sorry, I keep on having to sneeze. Mitch McConnell, Kentucky. Not up for re-election until 2026, when he will be 84 years old. Tom Tillis, North Carolina another senator who voted for this unconstitutional monstrosity, not up for re-election until 2026. Mitt Romney, Utah, not up for re-election until 2024. He voted to impeach also. And I don't know, I would think that since he is the most well-known Mormon in the United States, he will be re-elected with no problems, regardless of how he votes, because... Now, I hope I'm wrong. Republican voters in uh, in Utah, please, uh, here in a couple of years, prove me wrong on that. But when he ran for U.S. Senate Utah the first time in 2018, everybody knew the guy was no conservative. And there was a uh, local politician there in Utah, a Republican who is conservative, who ran against him in the primary, and uh Romney got 70% of the vote for an open seat. Got it? So, you know, maybe the fact he voted for this, maybe the fact that he voted to impeach Trump might give him some problems getting reelected in a couple of years, but um, I'm sure he's one of those guys who think that uh, people do not have long memories. Shelley Moore Capito, West Virginia a state that went overwhelmingly for Trump. She voted for this monstrosity. She's not up for election until 2024. Only two of the people who voted for this unconstitutional gun control bill last night of the Republican senators, only two of them are up for re-election this year. Todd Young of Indiana and... He had no opposition in the Republican primary on May 3rd. So he's free and clear. I mean, it's not like whatever Democrat's running against him is going to run uh, to his right on on the Second Amendment issues, right? Then there's Lisa Murkowski. Now, Lisa Murkowski of Alaska, her primary is not until... August 6th, in some kind of jungle primary where the person with the most votes may not even wind up on top. I I don't understand it, but I'm sure that uh, she's probably feeling pretty good about her chances to get reelected, even though there is another Republican running who Trump has endorsed. We'll see what happens. So you see what I'm saying here? Um, nobody who's facing a tough primary this year voted for this thing. Except the possible exception of Lisa Murkowski in Alaska. Bunch of people who are retiring, bunch of people who are not up for re-election until 2026. Nobody. They pulled a fast one on us, okay? And by the way, this thing Tom Cotton is saying about, um, Stopping gun violence starts with more funding for police and tougher sentences for the criminals who violate gun laws. Not taking away due process from law-abiding gun owners. Well, right, not taking away due process. Yeah, that's great. But um, are not you forgetting something, Tom? I mean... What about getting rid of the gun-free zones? You know, it's Biden's bill from 30 years ago that makes it against the law for teachers and coaches and administrators in public schools to carry. The blood of these children is on Joe Biden's hands. Outrageous. Now I want to say something about Uvalde before we get into uh, details on this bill, if I may. Wait a minute, I'm getting some. I'm getting some comments on the Podbean app for people who are actually listening to the live stream here on Tuesday evening. Um, it says here, nothing will change for the better in this country and in Arkansas until Republicans understand that kissing the rear of Democrats doesn't accomplish a thing. The word Republican does not also mean conservative. It is way past time for a new conservative party. Yeah, well, see, the problem is they're doing what the lobbyists want them to do. And then she says, and Sarah's silence on the Senate's gun control bill only means she's agree- uh, means she agrees with it. Well, either that or she's not paying attention. She doesn't even know it happened. Uh, somebody else says, Lindsey Graham is a chameleon is what he is. Uh, he says, you might be right about all this, but what sort of shenanigans will come before us before these senators are up for re-election? Yeah, who knows? Yeah, I I agree. He says, I hope I'm wrong. Well, one shenanigan is Joe Biden said back on March 24th, there are going to be food shortages in this country. Right? And yesterday I quoted um, Washington Governor Jay Inslee Who was predicting horrible things this summer? In case you missed it, um, yeah, he said it's going to be a, what was it? A summer of uh, Washington governor predicts summer full of blackouts, destruction, and death. He says it's shaping up to be a deadly summer as he's decided to uh, destroy the dams on the Snake River up there, which take care of 6% of the power in in Washington State. What kind of shenanigans? No, you're right, brother. I I know you say you hope you're wrong, but you're right. Uh, Frankly, we've been buying up a lot of extra cans of soup, rice and beans, Sardines, underwood devil ham spread, spam. Talk about getting a generator. Because we don't know what kind of shenanigans are coming up. But um, I do know there's a proverb that uh, tells us to look at the example of the ant that works hard preparing for the winter. Well, we're trying to work hard preparing for the summer around here. Now, I want to, I want to give you something about Uvalde, um, if I may. Texas Police Commissioner, the uh, director of the Texas Department of Public Safety. Yesterday, I had a little something, something to say about uh, Uvalde. But the law
1: enforcement response to the attack at Robb Elementary was an abject failure and antithetical to everything we've learned over the last two decades since the Columbine massacre. Three minutes after the subject entered the West Building, there were a sufficient number of armed officers wearing body armor to isolate, distract, and neutralize the subject. The only thing stopping a hallway of dedicated officers from in room 111 and 112 was the on-scene commander, who decided to place the lives of officers before the lives of children.
0: You got that? Man, oh, man. Now, did you, um? Did you hear about the uh, the police officer whose wife was a teacher? And she called him saying, I've been shot and I'm dying. Uvalde, did you hear about that? A police officer's wife, a teacher at the school in Uvalde, Texas, was murdered during the Robb Elementary School shooting. Tried to rush into the building to save her after she called to tell him that she had been shot. The officer was stopped by colleagues from entering, however, who also took away his gun. Eve Mireles died from her wounds. The story was told on Tuesday by Texas Department of Public Safety Director Steve McCraw, who said that Ruben Ruiz, who works as a Uvalde-consolidated independent school district officer, wanted to rush into his wife's aid before being detained in a hallway by other officers. According to local news there. McCraw said, we got an officer whose wife called him and said she'd been shot. She's dying. He tried to move forward into the hallway. He was detained, and they took his gun away from him and escorted him off the scene. During Tuesday's press conference, McCraw blamed District Police Chief Pete Arredondo for much of the failure that took place in Uvalde, saying that it was Arredondo who told police to not confront uh, gunman Salvador Ramos after the teen barricaded himself in the fourth-grade classroom. McCraw called the police shooting's response an abject failure and said the police were on the scene within minutes of the gunman entering the building but did not act for over an hour. He said, Three minutes after the subject entered the West Hallway, there was a sufficient number of armed officers wearing body armor to isolate, distract, and neutralize the subject. The only thing stopping A hallway of dedicated officers from entering room 111 and 112 was the on-scene commander who decided to place the lives of officers before the lives of children. The officers had weapons, the children had none. The officers had body armor, the children had none. McCraw also said yesterday that the classroom door that Ramos had put himself behind had not been locked, not been locked. A new revelation that contradicts the earlier reports from Arradondo's department that the chief had been trying to find the keys for the door for an hour. Officers did not even try to open the door, and McCaw said that the doors could not lock from the inside. McCaw said, one hour, 14 minutes, and eight seconds. That's how long the children waited and the teachers waited to be rescued while they waited, the on-scene commander waited for radios and rifles, waited for shields and waited for SWAT. Lastly, he waited for a key that was never needed. So so what does Washington, D.C. do? They pass a law. Wait for it. They pass a law punishing you and me, the law-abiding gun owners. That's right. And they laugh at us. And they laugh at us. Tom Cotton says, Stopping gun violence starts with more funding for police and tougher sentences for the criminals who violate gun laws, not taking away due process from law-abiding gun owners. Okay, so Tom... More funding for police, tougher sentences for criminals who violate gun laws. That sounds kind of like after the fact kind of stuff, right? So, so what about proactive, Tom? What about Get rid of the gun-free zones, Tom. Any any kind of proactive ideas, Tom? Encouraging, um, well, overturning Biden's law from 30 years ago, encouraging teachers and coaches and principals and assistant principals and uh, uh, janitors and everybody to, to carry so so the schools would be a safe place finally? None of that, right, Tom? None of that. And he's actually talking about running for president in 2024. How about that? So let's see. um, We've got the U.S. Senator Tom Cotton from Arkansas talking about running for president. U.S. state governor, Azel Hutchinson from Arkansas talking about running. Everybody thinks that Sarah Huckabee Sanders doesn't want to be governor for four years. She think about running for president? The Arkansas lanes we're going to be pretty crowded Republican primary 2024. But you know what? If they don't get the uh, the voter fraud fixed in Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania, Arizona, and Georgia, we'll never have another Republican president. You know, Tom complains about Biden a lot. Tom Cotton complains about Joe Biden a whole lot. Well, so do I. So do a lot of us. But um, his complaints are a little bit different. Because... Tom had a chance to stand up and at least make his voice heard. You know? Tom Cotton earlier today said, like his policies, Biden's speech on gas prices was confused and incoherent. And I responded out there on Twitter. Gee, Tom, if only he hadn't been allowed to steal the election, you had a chance to speak up. Quiet as a church mouse, so he wasn't going to speak up. Now, why do you think that is? Why do you think that is? I, uh, oh, no. Oh my goodness! I made a big mistake earlier. Let me tell you what I did. I was looking for an article. Um. I couldn't remember exactly where it was, and so I clicked on the uh, history on the um, on the internet, and uh, oh, I found the article. Search history, that kind of thing. And unfortunately, I had the the tab open for the Podbean app. And so all of a sudden, the article winds up on that tab. I'm like, oh, no. So I hit the back button to go back to the Podbean app. And all the comments from earlier were wiped out. And, I mean, I hope I didn't knock a bunch of people out. You know, I had people in, in, in here commenting. Um, and all those comments are gone. So I hope I didn't knock you all out. And I apologize if I did. I am uh, technologically challenged sometimes. You I'm saying, Holmes? So I just want to say, um, we're, we're going to get to more details about this gun control bill from last night. But uh, I really appreciate our friends and advertisers making it possible for us to do what we do here every day. If you try to buy a car recently, you realize there's such a chip shortage, you may have a hard time finding what you're looking for. People I know have actually bought vehicles from hundreds of miles away from where they live. That's where Red River Your Way comes in. Red River Your Way is a big old car dealership in the middle of the USA that believes in freedom, including your freedom to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV the way you want to. You can buy online, and they'll drive it to you no matter where you are. Red River Your Way wants to make your car buying experience as easy and transparent as possible. That's why they've added technology to their website to put you in complete control of your payment options and allows you to complete the entire purchase process online. But don't worry, Red River experts are still here to help you every step of the way if you have any questions. Red River makes it so easy as you browse their selection You'll see each vehicle has a button that says Explore Payment Options on it. Clicking that button guides you through a few easy questions and then create personalized payment options you have complete control over. All you have to do is adjust your preferences, and all the math happens automatically so you can figure out what monthly payment works best for your budget. Red River Your Way makes car buying online easy. Your whole car buying process is completely transparent. If you want to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV, order online from the Nationwide Car Dealer that believes in freedom, the dealer that will deliver your vehicle to your front door no matter where you live, RedRiverYourWay.com. You will be glad you did. We talk a lot about pushing back against the overreach of the federal government. What better example would there be than Obamacare? Are you like most Americans? Did Obamacare, the so-called Affordable Care Act, make your health care more expensive? Does your health insurance premium feel like a second mortgage? Does your sky-high deductible prevent you from going to the doctor? Do your sky-high copays keep you from going to the doctor? If you answered yes to any of these questions, you need to go to a website called MyFamilyHealthPlan.com. When you click on MyFamilyHealthPlan.com, you see the big, bold letters, Affordable Plans save 30 to 50% on premiums, personalized health coverage, low to no deductible, no co And then that big, beautiful red button that says schedule, call now. You click on the red button, you book a free consultation with my friend Art Wilborn. He makes sure there are no gaps in your coverage, and he also makes sure that your personalized health coverage gives you a plan that doesn't force you to cover things like abortion, horrible things which would deeply offend your deeply held religious beliefs. MyFamilyHealthPlan.com, affordable plans, save 30 to 50% on premiums, personalized health coverage, low to no deductible, no co-pays. Click the big red button, schedule a call now, book a free consultation with Art Wilborn. He makes sure there are no gaps in your coverage. Save money on your insurance at MyFamilyHealthPlan.com. All right, let me ask you this. Does your financial advisor take the time to listen and get to know you? Is your financial strategy personalized for you and your family? Will your financial advisor be there as your life and financial situations change? When you work with Jonathan Presswood, he focuses on what's important to you. He uses an established process to help you achieve your unique goals, whether that's preparing for retirement, making your money last in retirement, planning your estate or inheritance, Preparing for the unexpected or anything else, Jonathan Presswood can help. Now, what should you do if you leave a job and have a 401k or other retirement plan? Or if you're getting close to retirement or already in retirement, call my friend Jonathan Presswood today. He'll help you create a personalized financial strategy backed by the advice, tools, and resources to help you reach your goals. And he'll partner together with you to help your strategy stay on track no matter what life throws at you. Listen, we can all dream of having a perfect retirement, but how many of us will actually experience it? No matter where you are today, Jonathan Presswood is offering a free retirement analysis to figure out where you'd like to be and what it will take to get you there. And there's no obligation. Contact Jonathan Presswood, a financial advisor with Edward Jones Investments, today at 501-501. 303-4844. Again, that's 501-303-4844. Don't wait. Call Jonathan Presswood today at 501-303-4844. Now, if you're like me, you can't remember phone numbers, go to our website, docwashburnshow.com. Just click on the link to Jonathan Presswood at Edward Jones. Edward Jones, making sense of investing. Member SIPC. All right, thank you so much to our advertisers. Jonathan Presswood, Edward Jones, Art Wilborn at MyFamilyHealthBand.com, and good old Mitch Ward at Red River Your Way. Appreciate all y'all. They're our advertisers and our friends, and I just can't thank them enough for making it possible for us to do what we do here on a daily basis. All right, let me um, let me give you a little detail on what the uh, what the Uniparty did to us last night. David Harsani over the Federalist.com article entitled "The Do Something Gun Control Bill Does Little, but Erode Rights" got a big picture of uh, Texas Senator and United States Senator. Uh, John Cornyn. He says it's clear that the so-called Bipartisan Safer Communities Act was written in a rush by politicians far more interested in doing something about guns than proposing any well-considered ideas. That is surely the reason the Senate took a procedural vote only a few hours after releasing the text and why why they'll probably pass the bill in a few days. It's going to take years, however, to figure out how it all works. The bill's numerous vague, open-ended provisions will almost surely be abused by prosecutors, police officers, aggrieved family members, exes, and political opponents. And in the meantime, the likelihood that any of its provisions will help mitigate mass shootings is very small. That having been said, no one should fool himself. Though many conservatives will be furious about the bill, it's unlikely to be unpopular with most voters. Oh, I don't know, David. I don't know, David. Where Where do you live, David? In a red state? Or Blue State. He says, Facing a string of horrific school shootings, voters are uninterested in hearing debates about due process or complaints from some 19-year-old who wants an AR. The media, of course, will frame the bill as a common-sense no-brainer. Dave, do you have polling on this by any chance? John Cornyn, The Republicans' lead negotiator said yesterday, since the shooting, my office has received tens of thousands of calls, letters, and emails with a singular message, do something. Not do nothing, but do something. I think we found some areas where there is some space for compromise. Cornyn spent more time bragging about the things he rejected than championing the useful ideas he brought to the bill, because it's almost surely the case that he brought no useful ideas to the bill. This bill exists so that Republicans can say they did something. Not nothing, but something. Well, what does something look like? No one, presumably, opposes new federal support for enhanced school security or mental health funding, other than perhaps Chris Murphy. Democrat Senator Chris Murphy from Connecticut says mental health concerns are BS. Maybe that was his compromise. Uh, Another big chunk of the law is filler, reiterating the illegality of trafficking and straw purchases. Yeah, that stuff's already illegal. Gun control advocates often point to the low price. Oh, no, wait a minute. He said no one presumably opposes new federal support for enhanced school security or mental health funding. Well, I mean, who decides who's mentally ill? Are you mentally ill if you believe in a six-day creation a little over 6,000 years ago? Huh? Are you mentally ill if you believe there are only two sexes, male and female, and there's no difference between gender and sex, and you can't change it? Huh? Who decides? Yeah, I'm not so sure about that, David. I mean, I could go on and on and on, right? He says gun control advocates often point to the low prosecution rates For well, those crimes, gun trafficking, straw purchases, but that has far more to do with authorities failing to enforce laws that already exist than a lack of them. On federal red flag law funding, perhaps the most controversial provision, the bill makes a big show of demanding protection for due process rights and against infringement of the Constitution. It demands there be penalties against abuse of the program. Well, all that is unenforceable, as Republicans know. A number of blue states have already passed red flag laws that nullify gun rights on the word of third-party accusations, sometimes ex parte. That means a judge holds a hearing to decide whether the cops are going to take your guns away, and you don't even know about it. Ex parte means uh, one party. It means but not the, the, the other party is not represented. Namely you when they're deciding whether you're going to take your guns away. A number of blue states have already passed red flag laws that nullify gun rights on the word, a third party accusation, sometimes ex parte, and not only demand the accused prove his innocence before having his rights reinstated, but all but allow for property searches without the usual evidentiary standards. Until the U.S. Supreme Court undoes these laws, highly unlikely, states will receive funding. Oh, wait a minute. The U.S. Supreme Court ruled against a red flag law situation in Rhode Island 9 to nothing last year. David, what are you talking about here? He says, but it's one thing for California or Rhode Island to do so. It's another for national Republicans to fund their efforts. And it was Rhode Island. Anyway, uh, it says, Moreover, there is scant evidence that red flag laws do much to prevent violence. True. Most studies that contend to prove red flag laws work do so by drilling into the consciousness of those who have lost their guns and predicting their behavior. Glenn Kessler at the Washington Post, certainly certainly no champion of the NRA, went through every mass shooting since 2015 and came up with only two instances where red flag laws might have potentially stopped the shooter. In one of them, the Parkland, Florida, high school massacre, the police had ignored outright threats made by the shooter that would already have allowed them to take away his guns. Yeah, but see, they could have done that even without red flag law. You know? The bill will also close off the so-called boyfriend loophole so that not only spouses but anyone convicted of a misdemeanor violent attack who is in a continuing serious romant, uh, relationship of a romantic or intimate nature between two people can have their guns removed. Republicans will also be helping Democrats for the first time in a long time expand a category of person prohibited from owning guns. Anyone 18 to 21 with a juvenile record, sealed or expunged, though it's difficult to tell, that includes a felony or misdemeanor conviction for domestic violence or was involuntarily committed after the age of 16 might not be able to purchase a gun. The wait time can be 10 days instead of the usual three. It is unclear to me if this means Americans of any age will be barred from purchasing a gun if they had a juvenile record. The entire section is a mess. In the end, though, nothing will change in our political environment. Today, the corrupt corporate media and the Democrats, but I repeat myself, will herald the law as breaking a law jam, the first gun safety law in 30 years. This is untrue. Congress has passed numerous gun laws, thousands of gun laws, and regulations exist in the United States. No right has ever been more regulated, and in a few days Democrats will return to accusing Republicans of supporting terrorism and abetting the murder of children. Senators like Chris Murphy will be back to demanding bans on semi-automatic rifles and arguing for backdoor national registries. Within weeks, if not earlier, the media will tell us that the bill was a mere tiny first step in bringing the United States in line with other civilized countries. For one side... The Bipartisan Safer Communities Act will be a fleeting win for the other an incremental step and in a crusade to limit national gun ownership. That's a David Harsani, senior editor of the Federalist. A good article there. You know, I, I can't agree with everybody 100 percent of the time, but good article. And as a matter of fact, uh, U.S. Senator Dick Durbin from Illinois, is is already saying, well, this is maybe a a tiny first step. A tiny first step in the right direction. So let's take a look at Jordan Boyd over the Federalist. His shorter article, The 14 Republicans Who Voted to Advance Democrats' Gun Control Wish List Just Betrayed. Their base. He says 14 Republican senators betrayed their voter base Tuesday night when they voted to advance a gun control bill that concedes key constitutional ground to Democrats in their gun gun grabbing wish list. Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell His pick for lead negotiator, Senator John Cornyn, and nine GOPers committed to passing restrictive gun legislation last week. When the bipartisan group of senators finally produced the rushed bill's text, Republican Senators Joni Erst, Todd Young, Shelley Moore Capito, and Lisa Murkowski joined the legislation's authors, except for Senator Pat Toomey, who was absent to ram it through the upper chamber and then to the House of Representatives as soon as possible. Pat Toomey is the retiring U.S. Senator from Pennsylvania. At a time when inflation exacerbated by federal spending is at all-time highs, more than a dozen Republican senators voted to proceed with legislation that funnels billions of dollars to states and government agencies, including the FBI, under the guise of stopping future deadly, future deadly shootings, like the one in Uvalde, where 19 children and two teachers died after a shooter entered in an elementary school through a back door and was not stopped by law enforcement until an hour later. Try an hour and 17 minutes later. In reality, the bill is littered with vague language about, quote, dating partners, unquote, and red flag laws, which allow law enforcement to temporarily confiscate guns from someone the government deems a danger to the public or themselves, which could easily be exploited by partisan bureaucrats. The senator's Promoting this bill have provided little evidence that provisions such as supposedly enhancing background checks on gun buyers under 21 years of age will actually deter criminals from committing crimes that are already illegal. Yet it's been hailed by Democrats and their conies and the corrupt corporate media as the biggest firearms legislation since 1994. That's why pro-Second Amendment groups such as the National Rifle Association strongly opposed the legislation as soon as the full text was released. Well, what about gun owners of America? I mean, they're, they're the ones that, 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 that don't compromise like the NRA does. I just thought I'd throw that in. Anyway, the NRA sent in a statement. The legislation can be abused to restrict lawful gun purchases infringe upon the rights of law-abiding Americans and use federal dollars to fund gun control measures being adopted by state and local politicians. This bill leaves too much discretion in the hands of government officials and also contains undefined and overbroad provisions inviting interference with our constitutional freedoms. Now he says, Polling suggests a plurality of American voters also believe Red flag laws, like those encouraged by bullies in Congress, can and will be abused by the government and could even be used to root out political enemies. Ah, so so this article at The Federalist disagrees with the other article at The Federalist. He links to this poll from the uh, Trafalgar group, Trafalgar group perhaps, From um, just yesterday, National Issues Survey, Red Flag Laws. Do you believe that the Red Flag gun control laws designed to temporarily take guns away from individuals has the potential to be abused by local authorities and government officials to disarm their political opponents and or citizens who disagree with them? 46.7% 46.7% of the respondents said yes. Only 308 said no, and 225 said, well, we don't know. Not sure. So there's your plurality of people who have some sense. He says, specifically, more than 72% of Republican voters oppose red flag laws on the grounds they could easily be turned against anyone who disagrees with the regime. Some of those voters with strong convictions against gun restrictions were likely in states such as Kentucky, Texas, North Carolina, South Carolina, Maine, Louisiana, Missouri, Utah, Ohio, West Virginia, Iowa, Alaska, and Indiana, many of which are Republican-controlled. But instead of their interests being accurately represented by the politicians sworn to consider their concerns in Washington, D.C., thousands of voters' constitutional rights were handed, handed on a silver platter to Democrats by GOP leadership. Yeah, that's messed up. That is messed up. Congressional Democrats like Murphy and their allies in corporate media have already admitted that they received considerably more than Democrats hoped for initially. That's why John Cornyn of Texas was loudly booed and heckled for the duration of his speech to the Lone Star State's GOP convention last Saturday. Despite facing significant backlash from his home state, Cornyn showed no remorse for failing to protect Texas constituents' Second Amendment rights. Instead, he doubled down and smeared the people who elected him to office by calling them a mob. This lack of remorse from Cornyn and other Republicans is not only shameful but alarming. Yeah, it is. Jordan Boyd says, as I noted in my column on this gun bill last week at thefederalist.com, if Republicans were willing to cave on the Second Amendment, how much emotional manipulation will it take for them to surrender on other key conservative issues? While a significant portion of the gun control bill is a nothing burger, focused on more inflation-fueling funding, and only some gun grabbing, Republican willingness to support it is an act of betrayal against Americans and the Constitution. It shows that the politicians already in or slated for Republican leadership are willing to give concession after concession to Democrats without regard for the voters who elected them. It's a sad truth. So, um, <clears throat> pardon me, a, a couple of things, a couple of things I want to address. Um, my wife and I were uh, watching Tucker Carlson's monologue in which he was just going off on all this stuff and we're just getting more and more upset about what the Uniparty in Washington, D.C. has done to us. She said, you ought to run for something. I'll uh, tell you in a couple of minutes what my response to that was. Also, I want to address, there are a number of people on social media saying, well, we got to recall these senators. I, I want to tell you what the deal is on that too. So there's a lot of stuff still to come up on the Voice of the Resistance, the Doc Washburn show. Let me once again express how thankful we are to our advertisers. I want to mention a couple of them to you. They make it possible for us to do what we do. Like my friend Justin Minton. M-I-N-T-O-N, Minton in Benton. Now, Justin's a former insurance adjuster who left the insurance industry to become a private lawyer, founded the Minton Law Firm to help injured people fight against powerful insurance companies and corporations. And he has sure helped me out with the three automobile accidents I've been in since 2019. The Minton Law Firm has a great team of lawyers, including the 2016 Trial Lawyer of the Year and the 2016 Outstanding Young Lawyer of the Year. The insurance companies take Justin Minton and his team of lawyers seriously because they know they can and will take your case to trial if need be. So whether you want to go to trial or settle out of court, it's a really good idea to have a knowledgeable trial attorney on your side. Justin's team aims to bring justice to clients who have been injured and need somebody to stand up for them. No matter what the injury, Justin Minton... Make sure the Minton Law Firm always works hard for you. Whether you're in a car wreck, hurt of the job, or you or a loved one is suffering from the carelessness of another, if you're in Arkansas, Justin Minton Law, M-I-N-T-O-N, Minton and Benton, is here to help you. Just call the Minton Law Firm, 501-943-4195, or visit JustinMintonLaw.com today. And I'd like to help you with some health issues. You have migraines, neck pain, back pain, vertigo, acid reflux, eczema, problems with your blood sugar, maybe even hay fever. Okay, let's do a little test. Look in the mirror. Does one eye look bigger than the other? Are your eyes off balance? Are your shoulders off balance? Look at a picture of yourself. Are you tilting your head to the left or the right instead of sitting up or standing up straight? If the answer to any of these questions is yes, you probably need to get your atlas adjusted. That's how I got rid of my migraines, neck pain, and hay fever. Let me explain to you how it works because it's the best-kept secret in American health care. Your skull weighs anywhere from 8 to 15 pounds. It rests on the top bone of your spinal column, the atlas, which only weighs 2 ounces. So it's really easy for your atlas to get out of alignment. If it does, your whole spinal column can get kinked up like a chain, restricting your central nervous system's ability to send impulses to the rest of your body. It can affect your respiratory system, reproductive system circulatory system even digestive system and yes it can cause migraines neck pain back pain acid reflux eczema vertigo problems with your blood sugar do yourself a favor if you're in arkansas call my friends at the arkansas upper cervical center 501-279-2009 for a free consultation to see if you need to get your atlas adjusted because you probably do if you're outside Central Arkansas, go to their website, turnmypoweron.com, and click on Find a Doctor Near You. And I sure hope you can. Thank you again to Doctors J.R. and Tanya Crabtree at the Arkansas Upper Cervical Center, my good friends, and my good friend Justin Menton, M-I-N-T-O-M, Menton and Benton. Dr. Crabtree, they're, they're my doctors. And Justin Menton is my attorney. We appreciate them for advertising with the program and helping us to continue doing what we do. Um, so people want to recall some of these U.S. senators. Well, here's the problem with that. Um, and people are actually asking a question I asked a few years ago. Well, can you recall a United States senator? the state of Arkansas allow you to do that? Or state of Texas or whatever? Here's the problem. The office of United States Senator is an office that was created by the United States Constitution. So even though there are two from each state, there's no state law that has anything to do with them. Okay? Now, the way the founders set our Congress up is that the state legislatures would elect the United States Senators. Now, the citizens of the states would elect the U.S. Representatives, the House of Representatives. The state legislatures would elect United States Senators. And if the Senators got out of line and... We're going against the wishes of the state. The state legislatures could recall senators. Each state had two senators. They were elected by the state legislatures. If they got out of line, your legislature could recall you if you're a United States senator. That all changed. In 1913, when the 17th Amendment was ratified, making the U.S. Senate more like the U.S. House, providing for the direct election of United States senators from people who registered to vote in each of the states. And with that change, the ability to recall the United States senator went out the window. Your only chance to get rid of them is when they're up for re-election every six years. So, um, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but it is what it is. So, we're so upset with the games that they play with us in Washington, D.C., the Uniparty. And um, I'm going to tell you what I told my wife here in just a few Saying you ought to run for, she, she said you ought to run for something. We're sitting there, just getting more and more upset, watching Tucker Carlson's monologue about the gun grab bill over on Fox. He's he's about the only person I can watch on Fox because he's different than the rest. He doesn't seem to be buying into the propaganda that everybody else is trying to push. But let me uh let me share this thing with you here. First, Mary Chastain over at LegalInsurrection.com, the great Mary Chastain. Her article entitled 14 Republicans vote yes to advance gun legislation. Subtitle. The second amendment is crystal clear and not hard to interpret a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. She says, ladies and gentlemen, do not ever forget that these 14 senators voted yes during the initial vote for a gun deal led by Texas Senator John Cornyn. It's just a vote to advance the gun legislation bill, but still. These 14 senators betrayed their oath to uphold the Constitution. The Second Amendment is clear as day. It's time to buy more guns and ammo. Cowards, they only had an hour to read the 80 page bill before voting. And uh, she's got a. Uh, she's got a embedded in her article, a tweet from Igor Bobig, senior of politics reporter over the Huffington Post. A liberal rag. He said, potential 2024 presidential candidate Tim Scott votes no on advancing bipartisan gun deal. He seemed to have a hard time deciding, hanging around the floor for a long time. At one point, he pulled aside Joni Erst, who voted yes. Another point, uh, oh, no, Joni Erst, who voted yes, and John Barrasso, Wyoming, who voted no. So, She points out the names of the people who voted in this thing, the 14 names I already gave you. Republican Senators Pat Toomey, Pennsylvania, and Kevin Kramer, North Dakota, did not vote. She said, will all these Republicans vote for the bill in the final vote? I want to say no. Boy, oh, boy, do I want to say no, but I bet the majority of them will. This is a disgusting thread and more proof that politicians don't care about you and me and the Constitution. This thread from this Igor Bobbitt guy, Huffington Post, who says, Cornyn overheard on the Senate floor saying, it's only 80 pages long. How long do you need to read it? Jane Chastain says, me, a ginger, you know, redhead, has more of a soul than John Cornyn. I am seething right now. If Cornyn asked me this question, I would have unloaded my Yankee ways on him. No nice southern lady for this man. Another tweet from Igor Bobak, Huffington Post, who said, Inside the room there was a jovial mood. John Cornyn and Kristen Cinema kept ribbing Republicans who were lagging, asking why it took so long to read an 80-page bill. Schumer thanked Republicans who voted aye one by one, even Susan Collins. Democrat rank and file were shaking John Cornyn's hand. Tom Tillis snapped a pick a picture of the Republican yes list. She says, Mary Chastain here says, Senator Cinema, I like you, but for the love of everything in this world, do not ever rush anyone to read a bill, no matter how long it is. Then she has the quote, from a joint statement from Senators Chris Murphy, Democrat of Connecticut, John Corner, Republican Texas, Kirsten Sinema, Democrat Arizona, and Tom Tillis, Republican North Carolina. Their joint statement said, Our legislation will save lives and will not infringe on any law-abiding Americans' Second Amendment rights. We look forward to earning broad bipartisan support and passing our common-sense legislation into law. And she says, the Second Amendment doesn't have a but or except for in it. The bill will allow the removal of firearms if a person is determined a danger to him or herself or others. It would also prohibit dating partners or recent dating partners convicted of domestic violence from purchasing, purchasing a firearm. But you can have your right back if five years have elapsed from the later of the judgment of conviction or the completion of the person's custodial supervisory sentence, or if you haven't been convicted again. A requirement for purchases for people between 18 and 21-year-old gun purchasers. They need to review your juvenile and mental health records. So in order to for a legal adult to purchase a gun, they have to consent for the government to look at their mental health records? It can take up to 10 days if the government finds areas of concern So who gets to decide on the mental health aspect? See, see, this is something I was alluding to earlier. Do not ever use mental health. It's a slippery slope. She says, I have depression and anxiety. I've never ever had thoughts or even blips of thoughts of harming myself or anyone else. But we can see how a doctor could fudge someone's record or lie about a patient to make sure they don't get any guns. The Second Amendment doesn't say a person has the right to bear arms except if they're convicted of domestic violence or deemed a danger to themselves or others. I don't care what the courts have said. The Second Amendment states a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Shall not be infringed. No but, no except for. And then she links to the 80-page bill. So, as my wife and I were becoming more and more incensed, watching Tucker Carlson's monologue on Fox News. She said, well, you ought to run for something. I said, honey, I already did that. She said, I know, but you you ought to run for something else. And um, I didn't know what to tell her. Um you know there are going to be um elections in a couple of years in the state I live in right now, Arkansas, for different things in the state legislature and stuff like that. It's gonna be four years. It will and, and US House of Representatives. It'll be four years until a governor or a U.S. senator is up again in the state of Arkansas. But my wife, who, when I told her on February the 6th that Jan Morgan had told me, when I said, no, I'm not going to run for anything, when Jan Morgan said, look, you don't know where you, What's, you don't understand what's going on. We're about to lose our country. Good people like you need to stand up, run for office. You need to talk to your wife and pray about it. And I talked to my wife, told her what Jan had said, and we prayed about it, and she said, Honey, this is way over my head, but I trust your judgment. Well, now she's not saying this is way over my head. I trust your judgment. She's saying, Well, you ought to run for something. Yeah, I don't know what that would look like. What I do know is that when I did run for governor, my number one priority was to glorify God, and I got to share the gospel with a lot of people. And I'm thankful for that opportunity. But um, but we didn't have a chance to beat the juggernaut of the Huckabee campaign because she had over $14 million, and I only raised 80000 I mean, it was enough to get um, almost 60,000 people to vote for me. So that was pretty cool. Because I had no expectations. I didn't know what to expect when I decided to uh run for governor. I did not know what to expect. Uh, We're really blessed that uh, a lot of people came alongside us and helped us. People like uh, Scott and Angela and Allison Gray with Reopen Arkansas and, and Donnie Copeland who had already been in the state legislature for a while. A number of people came alongside us and helped us. We couldn't have done what we did without them. But um, yeah, in in some states, um, about sixty thousand votes would have been enough to get you a nomination for governor. But uh, <laughs> but Sarah got uh, about two hundred eighty nine thousand. So you know, anyway. Um. So, yeah, she says you ought to run for something. Well, I mean, not anytime soon. I don't know what that would be. I don't know what that would look like. So, anyway, be that as it may, I just thought I'd put that out there for you. I mean, frankly, I'm trying to figure out how to get back on the radio. I mean, forgive me if I said this before, but I I, I can't remember. Um, When I was doing local talk radio in Little Rock, Arkansas, about a year and a half before I was fired for not getting the vaccine, the uh, talk radio station across town put Sean Hannity up uh, against me to compete with me. And Hannity, after Rush passed away, Hannity became by default the most listened to radio talk show host in America. And every time the quarterly ratings came out, I just, just kicked his teeth and just smacked him around. He never was able to compete with me. I think some of the ratings periods he might not even showed up at all. So... um. he's still the most listened to radio talk shows in America and has very little competition. Um, a couple of guys who are on, uh, you know, a number of different stations at the same time, but they just, they don't really do anything against him in the ratings. So it's a reason that a guy who did compete with him in the ratings, not only competed, but just crushed him. You might want to put him on multiple radio stations and, See if you can do it nationally. Just a thought, just a thought. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not thinking about running for office. I'm just thinking about maybe getting back on the radio. Just a thought. Oh, so um, before I forget, before I forget, you don't you don't ever want to forget the most important part of the show, do you? Yeah, absolutely. Hit it, Brian. We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. It's the Don Washburn Show Tweet of the Day. Brought to you by Red River, your Way.com. Red River Your Way, big old car dealership in the middle of the USA. Believes in freedom, including your freedom to buy the car, truck, van, or SUV of your choice, the way you want to online and have it delivered to you, to your front door. Anywhere in the continental United States of America. Today's tweet of the day is from Rising Serpent, who says the government is the largest corporation there is, but with zero accountability to its shareholders, produces nothing of any value, and is guaranteed to incur ever increasing losses despite having no competition. And the first response said, I read this video, I read this twice. It hurt both times I read it. Yeah, sorry about that. Sorry about that, but that's true. And thank you, RedRiverYourWay.com, dot com, for making it possible for us, making it possible for us to do what we do every day. Um, are you familiar with the concept of Freudian slip? It's like when you when you Goof up and say the wrong thing, but people are like, ah, that's very telling what you said there, even though it's not what you meant to say. You familiar with that? Well, Karine Jean-Pierre, the um, tragically hip, tragically woke White House press secretary only has her job because she's black and lesbian. Here's what she said. I mean, the president has been very clear in making
2: sure that he does everything that he can uh, to uh, to elevate to alleviate uh, the you know the the pain that American families are
1: feeling when it comes to gas prices.
0: Doing everything he can to make sure he elevates the pain we're experiencing from the gas prices. And then she realized she's supposed to say alleviate. Maybe she got confused because she doesn't know how to pronounce alleviate. She said alleviate. She's not bright. I'm telling you, she's not bright. She mispronounces stuff all the time. Just so you know, just so you know, Senator Bill Haggerty out of Tennessee was speaking to, um, chairman Jerome Powell of the fed. And, uh, if Biden heard, heard about this, he's not happy.
1: I realize there are a number of factors that- <laughs> I realize there are a number of factors that play a role in the historic inflation that we're experiencing uh, supply chain disruptions, regulations that constrain supply. We've got rising inflation expectations and excessive fiscal spending. But the problem hasn't sprung out of nowhere. And in January of 2021, inflation was at 1.4%. By December of 2021, it had risen to 7%, a five fold increase. Since the war in Ukraine began in late February, the rate of inflation has risen incrementally another 1.6% to a current level of 8.6%. So again, uh, from 7% to 8.6%. Given how inflation has escalated over the past 18 months, would you say that the war in Ukraine is the primary driver of inflation in America? No, inflation was high before, certainly before the uh, war in Ukraine broke out. Uh, I'm glad to hear you say that. The Biden administration seems to be intent on deflecting blame, and as recently as just this past Sunday, spread the misinformation that Putin's invasion of Ukraine is the, quote, biggest single driver of inflation. I'm glad you agree with me that that is not the truth.
0: Got it? How about that? So the chairman of the Fed was, unlike other employees of Biden, not willing to lie for him. Energy Secretary uh, Jennifer Granholm is definitely willing to lie for Biden, though. When she was asked about Federal Reserve Chair Jerome Jerome Powell's testimony uh, that inflation was on the rise before Russia's invasion, it went something like this.
2: Secretary Granholm, you and the president have framed uh, this war in Ukraine as the primary driver of the spikes in energy costs that's the largest contributor to overall inflation. But uh, the Fed chairman was on the Hill today, testified, he was asked a question, is the war the primary driver of inflation? And his answer was no. How do you square that? Is he wrong? I, I didn't hear what
1: he said on that. But
0: um, I didn't hear what he said. And you know what? I, I got to tell you something. Uh, people in Washington D.C. are so much in a bubble that she may actually be telling the truth on that. Happened the same day, unless she's got somebody pretty sharp on her staff who got it, got the word to her. That that that. Look, Democrats can't lie all the time. That could very well be true that she had not heard about it. Just so you know. Um, but but Senator Haggerty did a, did a great job there with uh, with the Fed Chair. Now we got uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene talking about this abysmal bill that the Senate is getting ready to pass to take your guns away.
2: Here's the problem I have. Joe Biden, then Senator Joe Biden, that made my school a gun-free school zone and has left American students, like, sitting ducks targets for anyone that wants to go kill them. He's friends with these Republican senators, and I'll tell you who who they are, because I don't mind naming their names because people all over our country are furious at them. Senator Blunt, Senator Burr. Senator Capito, Cassidy Collins, Cornyn, who got booed off the stage practically in Texas, Ernst, Lindsey Graham, who promised me just a few years ago that he would not violate due process rights with red flag laws, broke his promise. Mitch McConnell, complete failure to Republicans. Murkowski, Portman, Romney, Tillis, Young, these are the Republican senators that Republican voters do not support anymore. We've got to change our Republican Party and it needs to happen right here because if we don't start defending Americans' freedoms and rights and putting America first, our Republican voters are not going to want to put us in charge. We need to do a better job. The Senate gun bill is a complete failure and I'm so happy with our House GOP leadership saying that they're voting no against this bill and whipping against it. That's something I am extremely pleased with, and I know Republican voters and independents and gun owners, period, are going to be thrilled with.
0: Well, that's great. But since Republicans don't have the uh, majority in the House, that's not going to stop it. It's not going to stop it. I mean, unless uh, they can peel off a few Democrats. Good luck on that. You know, so I don't know. I don't know. Tom Fitton over at uh, Judicial Watch says, Breaking, the corrupt Biden DOJ just launched unprecedented new subpoenas Republican citizens who disputed the Biden election and who participated in an effort to appoint alternate electors as Democrats and others have done throughout our nation's history. Just so you know. If y'all don't get the fact that Dementia Joe is not in charge, he's a puppet. If y'all don't get the fact that uh, whoever's pulling his strings, whether it's Barack Obama or Valerie Jarrett or Susan Rice or George Soros or Klaus Schwab, whoever it is, is weaponizing the federal government against us, I I don't know what to tell you. If you don't get that, I mean, I'm going to keep on doing what I do, and maybe after a while you get it, you know? Now, there's a particularly odious Democrat congressman from California, John Garamendi, and um, I have audio of U.S. Representative Matt Gaetz from Pensacola, Florida, uh, handing Congressman Garamendi's gluteus maximus to him.
1: This is the wrong place to be fighting the vaccination issue. We're talking about the military, the American military's ability to be able to fight tonight.
3: You know who's not going to be able to fight tonight? The pilots who are no longer flying for the Air Force. The SEALs who are being separated from the Navy. The thousands of troops who will not be able to wear the uniform in the United States Army. They won't be fighting tonight. And it's because of ludicrous policy that does not recognize natural immunity. I'm in strong support of the Hartzler Amendment. And I firmly believe across the entire enterprise of government, if Big Pharma could find a way to make money on natural immunity, we would have a broader public health strategy that recognized natural immunity. But because Big Pharma can't make money that way, this is not specific to the military, but across the enterprise of government, we don't recognize it. And it's illogical to suggest that because we don't know the duration of the resiliency that natural immunity gives you, that you should not consider that as part of a health and readiness decision. We don't know how long the duration of of, of support and protection the vaccine gives is. And by the way, that's not because we're not trying hard enough. It's because viruses evolve. So as the, as the virus evolves and as natural immunity... Community demonstrates antibodies, you know, one could think of. Natural immunity very much is Mother Nature's vaccine, giving human beings the ability to fight off the virus, to have lower levels of medical acuity. And I'm sorry this debate is taking a little longer than some people would like, but there are lives that are being destroyed and ruined by these vaccine mandates and by the fail-to-recognize natural immunity. So if we have to take a few extra hours to make our point and to debate them, we're going to do so because we got a lot of, of brave patriots, heroes in this country, who are taking off that uniform for the last Last time, each and every day, because of crazy policies. Policies that are not based in science or logic or in how we view our freedoms.
0: There you go. There you go. I try to share stuff with you here that, um, you know, you might not get anywhere else. So... Stee's over Twitter, uh, Stephen L. Miller, says one day after the White House says they don't foresee a recession, Forbes says Dow plunges 400 points as Wall Street banks warn of significant downturn and raise recession odds. See, I don't know much about the stock market, but what I do know is that it, is, it, it, it predicts the future, you know it's got to look at what the future likely will hold and so the stock market looks at all kinds of different uh, all kinds of different possibilities I don't know if you heard this or not but um earlier this evening Liz Cheney U.S. Representative, Wyoming, who has been disowned by her own Republican Party in Wyoming, just voted with Democrats on the Armed Services Committee to kill an amendment that would have forced Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin to rescind the COVID vaccine mandate for the military. So uh, somebody said, uh, was it John Jackson said, John Jackson said, Liz Cheney is that co-worker who, upon knowing she was getting fired, didn't work the rest of her shift and say goodbye, flipped off the boss, stole from the register, uh, made a mess out of the fryer, spit on a customer on the way out. Because she belongs to one of America's leading political families and is so classy. So she voted to continue the vaccine mandate for the military showing her utmost disrespect for our men and women in uniform. How about them apples? I mean to lie, fam, that's messed up. That's messed up. Now I I I I think every once in a while we talk about the fact that almost three months ago Joe Biden said there are gonna be food shortages amazing how many people I talk to on a regular basis who never heard that had no idea who don't make the connection between the fact that the price of gas and the price of diesel continues to go up the fact that if farmers can't afford diesel for their tractors they're going to farm less that if truckers can't afford diesels for their trucks, they're going to stop bringing food to grocery stores. They just don't even. Everything's just going to be fine because it always was. Now, I say all that as a way of introducing this next video clip from the press secretary for the U.S. Pentagon, John Kirby. Check this out. Now, remember, he works for Joe Biden and Joe Biden's cronies, so he gets paid to lie just like he did when he said everything was fine with Afghanistan we were getting out of there last summer. All right, remember that? This guy.
2: Uh, April? Hi, John. Um, hey, April. Two questions. Um, going back to Ukraine, could you talk about the implications of the grains issue that's heightening uh, in Ukraine as the um, president of Ukraine talked to the AU about it, the African Union about it, and also... The repercussions of what happened in Texas um, on a national security front.
0: She talked about the grain issue coming out of Ukraine.
2: When it comes to basically calling President Biden the acting president.
0: Uh, So I'm going to come back to you on the second one because I'm not completely sure I understand the question. But on the first one, let me just do the grain one first. Uh, We've talked about this before. President Putin is, no kidding, weaponizing food. Let's, let's just call it what it is. He's weaponizing food. He's got an essential blockade there in the Black Sea so that nothing can lead by sea. And that's, of course, how
3: Ukraine
2: has historically gotten its grain to markets. And so the president's working with the leaders around the
0: world to see if there's other overland ways we can do that. Uh, and he's exploring a range of options. He's keeping an open mind about how that would look. Um, and um, and there's lots of other of our partners, particularly in Europe, who also want to see that done. So, so there's a lot of work being done here. Uh, but uh, but as I said, I think the other day, last week you know we know time is not on our side i mean this grain is a perishable commodity so we want to get it out as fast as we can all right now this guy i follow on twitter calls himself the last refuge says please think somehow nato and western allies can deliver millions of tons of heavy weapons into ukraine But NATO and Western allies cannot remove thousands of tons of wheat and grain from Ukraine. It's all propaganda in World War Reddit. Okay? Doesn't pass the smell test. Doesn't pass the smell test. How do we get millions of tons of heavy weapons into Ukraine but they can't get thousands of tons of wheat and grain out of ukraine no i'm sorry no i'm not, i'm not i'm not buying that i'm absolutely positively not buying it it's uh <laughs> no, you got the wrong guy Got the wrong guy. So, Dementia Joe, I'll never call him President Biden. Dementia Joe announced uh, today he's going to try to alleviate some of the pain of the pump by putting a moratorium on the uh, the federal gas tax for a little bit. You heard about that? Spencer Brown at townhall.com says Biden's new gas tax plan will backfire on him for one big reason. Heard about this? Anybody talk to you about this? Here's the deal. And I'm never going to call him president, so we'll call him something else. As usurper Biden makes his call for a federal tax holiday for unleaded and diesel gas taxes, there is, as usual, an irony that undercuts his supposedly brilliant idea to help Americans who've seen gas prices more than double in the less than two years since he took office. Biden's plan, which relies on Congress for implementation, is to suspend federal fuel taxes for three months, a time frame that conveniently runs up until just before the midterm elections, as Biden's party receives continually sinking approval for its handling of the economy. Biden also called for states to similarly waive their taxes on regular and diesel fuel, which a few have done already. While state taxes, while state gas taxes vary, the federal taxes Biden is hoping Democrats in Congress will suspend amount to about 18 and 5 cents per gallon for gasoline and about 24.5 cents per gallon for diesel, saving Americans around 3.5% at the pump. According to Forbes, the average American would save less than $10 each month if the federal tax were suspended. Considering gas prices have doubled since he took office and the May Consumer Price Index showed gasoline is up more than 50% over the last 12 months, Biden's attempt to look like he's coming to the rescue of struggling Americans is almost as bad as the White House's claim that 4th of July cookouts were 16 cents cheaper last year. Biden's former boss, then President Obama, doubted the worth of a federal gas tax holiday and called such an idea a gimmick back in 08 when he was running for president. There's another problem with the likely result of a suspended gas tax that contradicts one of Biden's biggest talk points. As Forbes explained recently, cutting gas taxes does nothing to address supply and potentially increases demand. So you could easily see gasoline prices quickly rebound back to where they are now following a gas tax cut. It's just that the $0.18 that is currently captured by the federal government would just move elsewhere in the supply chain. It would improve the profits of the retailer, refiner, and oil producer to varying extents. So a sudden decrease in price due to the federal tax being waived would spur Americans who have been hesitant to fill up their tanks to head to the local gas station and take advantage of the reduced price. This increased demand will in turn drive up the price, potentially higher than it was before the federal tax was suspended. Then, because Americans still need gas, the demand increased prices would see more money flowing not to the Federal Highway Trust Fund, where collected gas taxes go, but to the oil and gas industry that Biden has accused of making too much money in the first place. That is Biden's plan, he says, to help Americans who he claims are being burdened by greedy, profit-hungry oil and gas industry, will likely see greater profits for that very industry. It's a plan so Biden-esque, it's hard to believe it's not satire. And signaling more Democrats in disarray, days are ahead. Even members of Biden's own, farmly, uh, own party on Capitol Hill are starting to point out the contradiction between who he blames for high prices and who will benefit from his plan. Even House Speaker Nancy Pelosi was tepid and noncommittal when asked if she would answer Biden's call for action. Amazing, isn't it? At Spencer Brown over townhall.com, Biden's new gas tax plan will backfire on him for one big reason. Amazing. All right, you've been listening to episode 179 of the all-new Doc Washburn Show. The views and opinions expressed on the Doc Washburn Show do not necessarily reflect those of our advertisers but they love us and we love them. Today's program has been produced by Tim Terrible, directed by Mick Messy. This has been a Terribly Messy production. Portions of today's show will be taken overseas and dropped. If you like a transcript of today's episode of the all-new Doc Washburn Show, simply peel the roof off a Rolls-Royce panel truck and send it to Mansour's Computer Solutions. Seventh floor of the ephemeral B. Smoot Building, Whitehall, Arkansas, in care of Sheriff Mansour the Tenth. And that's the way it is. Wednesday, June 22nd, 2022.